looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day, this is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Pass the Post. It's Sunday, October 10. Yes, Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing. Go to that website, as Darren said, archerparkracing.com.au. Horses are being named. Two-year-olds are ready to go and you can be part of it. We'll talk more about that later. Ben Dorries, good morning. Good morning, David. Uh, big day for me. It's uh, my wedding anniversary today, my sixth wedding anniversary. Birthday it's, one week, yeah, wedding Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's uh, kudos to the, my beautiful wife for uh, lasting six years, and let's hope she can last a bit longer. Now, is a bit of the wind out of your sails because Zaki was beaten yesterday, your pit-up horse. Yeah, it was a, a bit of a head-scratcher, wasn't it? I'm certainly not giving up on him from a Cox Plate point of view, though. That track at Caulfield yesterday was rock hard. Uh, it was a really muddling run race. Uh, it was a sprint home, which didn't suit him. Having said that, he was disappointing. Um, but that race has been a bit of a graveyard over the years for some pretty good horses. You know, first time at Caulfield as well. It sounds like I'm making a million excuses when he was beaten fair and square. Um, but he's still, I think, $2.80 to win a Cox Plate, which is probably a, a fair assessment of, of what the bookies still think of him. They're keeping him very safe. Yeah, well, the, the, the betting took a, a major turn yesterday with Zaki, as you said, going out to 280. And Animo, which was the racing highlight of the day at Caulfield, winning the Group 1 Caulfield Guineas, into $7 in the Cox Plate. So they're linked in some way. Zaki losing some cast and Animo, will he go to the Cox Plate? And just on that point, let's pause now and go to the Caulfield Guineas and then we'll have a chat with a man who knows what's happening with Animo. But first of all, the Guineas and Animo was the favourite. Bell Pine Edge at the 300 metres, joined by Lightsaber and Mr. Mozart towards the middle of those. Running on now is Captivon, and here's Animo below the 200. Lightsaber, Captivon, Animo moves up boldly, though Artorius is out late, but it's too late. Animo and Captivon stride for stride. Animo the stronger. Animo won the guineas from Captivon, Artorius. Photo fourth. Lightsaber or Hitotsu or Forgot You. A gap to Preda turn. Then Tiger of Malay, Mr. Mozart. Daily Bugle, River Plate, Alpine Edge got tired, Knights Town and Zarel. Well, favourite backers were happy. Animo was the favourite and a well-backed favourite, $2.10. It's a, a stallion-making race, the Caulfield Guineas. It's a time-honoured race and Animo was a very, very worthy winner. Courtesy of a great ride by Damien Oliver. Ben Cox, of course, represents Godolphin. Always very kind with his time in terms of um, being with us on Past the Post. And he's with us this morning. Vin, how are you? I'm very well, David, and you? I'm well, thank you. Ben Doris is with me as well. Just with Animo, uh, let's pay compliment to Damien Oliver firstly because it's quite amazing, isn't it? It's one year yesterday that this association started. Damien rode Animo in the debutant at Caulfield, one year down the track, winning the Caulfield guineas on him. He paid compliment to the horse post-race that he's developed so well and that he's an athlete and a very, good, a very knowing horse. Yeah, he is. And, and uh, good morning, Ben. But um, look, he's, uh, Damien, as it's well documented, he does a lot of work for us in Victoria. Uh, he works very closely with Reg Fleming and Sean Keogh down there. And uh, right from his very first start, which was in the debutante, and he had a checkered run in running fourth or fifth, I think it was, and, and then he won brilliantly in the Merson Cooper. And right from there, um, Damien had a, an extremely high opinion of the horse um, and rode him in his uh, you know in, in his sort of latter part of his two-year-old career in victoria 
Um, and then when he came up to New South Wales for the Golden Slipper, well, we switched the jockeys around and he rode ingratiating in the slipper and uh, Rachel rode Animo. Um, but, um, but yeah, he, that's the first time he's seen him since probably Slipper Day um, in the flesh. Uh, because we only took him down here, down to Melbourne on Tuesday, oh, sorry, Wednesday, after working in uh, at Osborne Park on, on Tuesday. So, um, yeah, he, he rode him superbly. Uh, he was a very tough barrier drawer and just cool as you like uh, from a world-class rider. Um, yeah, we're very excited by the win, obviously. Vin, I love seeing a three-year-old in the Cox Plate. What influences your decision in terms of this horse and whether he goes to the Cox Plate? And, and does the fact, I'm assuming not, but does the fact that Zaki got beaten yesterday have any influence at all on that decision? Um, look, I mean, we, we we did suggest, you know, that very early on we, we decided we were going to go to the Caulfield Guineas and, and if things panned out, then we'd very much take a look at, at the Cox Plate. And, um, you know, first and foremost is the horse's welfare. And speaking to Sean Keogh this morning, the horse has come out of the race really well. Um, so we'll have a bit of a chat um, in the next day or so as to whether we'll head to the Cox Plate, but um, uh, and then obviously we need to find a rider to to, to, to make the weight. So a uh, few things to play out, but um, don't worry, the the uh, the crosshairs are, are, are looking at that silver plate. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they are. And is the Cox Plate the only item on the agenda? Is is it a bridge too far to look at the Derby? Um. In regard to the Derby being a 2,500-metre race, um, just in terms of his value as a stallion, we've got him in the Derby just as a you know, uh, you know, just a, an option to have up our sleeve more than anything. Probably unrealistic that we go to the Derby, but um, you know, the McKinnon is now two weeks after the Cox Plate. Um, and it's a mile and a quarter. It's a Group One, and uh, because they've moved the race, it, it, you know, three odds really gone through to to the McKinnon, as far as I'm aware. So it's potentially on the radar. And that was a really uh, fast run race um, yesterday, Vin. Probably suited Animo in that respect. What, what were your emotions during the race? I mean, you obviously you knew he had a powerful finish to come. Um, did you think he was going to pick them up? Oh, <laughs> you know, your emotions in a race are uh, up and down, as we all know. And look, he, he just, to me, he looked like he was sort of switching on and off uh, in the run. Um, but once he got to the outside and and um, let down, you could see he was always going to reel them in. Uh, and Ollie was, I think, probably just conscious that he didn't want to get there too soon and, and be a sitting shot for, for Artorias coming out of the pack, which is what he was always going to do. And um, you, you mentioned the time. I, I believe it's the fastest Caulfield Guineas in history, um, which is a really, you know, I mean, it's a, a time-honoured race, as David said in the intro. And um, It's a proper race and, and, a, and a cult to win it in that sort of time. It, it's fantastic for the horse going forward. Yeah, 135, and the, the, the track record is Fields of Omar, of course, a Cox Plate winner at 134.28. I, I probably, I want to come back again to, to Oliver, Damien Oliver. The impact or the presence that he's had on racing, particularly in Victoria, but certainly Australia-wide, I think sometimes goes unnoticed. We see Damien Oliver's, um, you know, win a race. We see him come back to scale. He never looks any different. He still looks like he's 25 or 26. He's got that boyish <laughs> face. But, but you've got to remember... And in terms of the Caulfield Guineas, let's just use this as an illustration. He won it 31 years ago, a horse called Centro, back in 1990. And in three decades, he's just been at the, at the top of his game all of the time, had a few hiccups along the way, 
but still riding in great form. I, I think sometimes the presence in, in, in Australian racing sometimes goes a little unnoticed with Oliver, and there's a good point, winning this race 31 years ago. It's not a bad not a bad effort. I mean, 31 years is a long time. I mean, James Cummings is anything about this morning. James is 33, so he wouldn't remember Centro winning the, <laughs> winning the Caulfield Guinea. So unfortunately, the three of us do. But um, but uh, but you know, Ollie's he's a you know, he is a world class rider and has been at the top um, in what's a very tough school here in Australia uh, all that time. Um, and you say he looks the same. Well, he has he has changed slightly. He did have a nose job, so if you go back to the old photos, he, you had the big old <laughs> nose on him. Now it's now it's slightly modified. But uh, but yeah, no, he's you know he's an elite rider, and um, yeah, he's he's cool, he's calm. You know, his, his experience comes out in races like that, and it's it's great to be able to utilise an asset like that. Yeah, in, in terms of uh, of the Cummings family, of course. Right for James' granddad Bart and, and James's father Anthony, riding group winners, of course, and, and now the connection continues with James. That's Animo. Uh, Polaley was very good in Sydney. Yeah, he was terrific. Uh, getting back to to, to uh, Ramwick, uh, getting to a, to a track that you know played reasonably fair or played very fairly yesterday, which was great. Um, yeah, he was electric. He was scintillating, and uh, we we're very excited by his win. And um, he's now four for four at Ramwick, and um, we've just got a couple of decisions to make whether we, which way we which way we zig or whether we zag um, with him and uh, and work out his plan going into the into the carnival. You know, we've, again, he's a cult. Uh, he's got a great pedigree. Um, he's a horse that you know, we could potentially turn into a, a, a good stallion prospect if we land in the right races. Well, speaking of zigging and zagging, uh, there's not too much time to be zigging and zagging in terms of one race because the Everest is next Saturday. Yours is the only slot left. I imagine, well, I don't imagine, I know that you'll have to make a decision today or tomorrow. Yeah, we, and we will. We'll sit down tomorrow and have a bit of a chat. Um, we did talk about Palalia earlier this week whether we'd, we'd head towards the um, the Everest and not and and leave the Roman Consul on the table, but we thought no, that Roman Consul is very much a part of his plan, and um, and he won that and won that well. Uh, trekking is obviously our we've said all along he's our our, our number one sprinter, and uh, there's no reason to suggest we wouldn't think or head that direction i mean he'll he'll run competitively as well so uh it's just a matter we've just evaluate what we think will be our best chance in that race and 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 again laying over the top of that the future runs or races that we could go in with both horses whether that's trekking or palaley and um so you know you just don't want to compromise the rest of the carnival um around one race so yeah we'll just sit down and have a chat about it Vin, just generically, where does the sort of Everest sit in the in the grand business plan, I guess, for, for Godolphin in Australia? I mean, it's obviously not a Group 1 race, but it's a very important race. You've got your own slot. Um, you know, like, how how sort of far out do you start planning for, for an Everest? Uh, you know, what um, you know, what are the, some of the some of the things involved uh, in, in well, getting, you know, seeing as you've got your own slot and, and just the importance of the race in general to Godolphin? Oh, look, it's a, it's a, it's very quickly. It's become one of the pinnacle races in Australia, without shadow of doubt. Um, it's only politics that doesn't allow it to have have a Group One uh, status. And um, you know, if 
the racing jurisdictions sat down and actually tried to thrash a few things out. We could get a long way and, and progress the pattern and progress Group 1 status onto the Everest and, uh, and things like that. But irrespective of it not carrying the Group 1 moniker, um, it is uh, a race of significant clout, um, not to mention the prize money, obviously. Um, but, you know, it's, it's rated as the best sprint race in the world year in, year out. Um, so it does sit very much uh, in our uh, in our thoughts um, and our plannings around which horse we should go there. The, the consideration is is around horses or colts particularly that haven't hit that Group One victory, um, and you know racing against the elite sprinters, the uh, you know the, the first graders, the proper horses. Um, you know it's Test match football out there. It's not park 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 rugby. Um, you know, you've, and you've just got to evaluate um, whether you go into that race and um, and and what what it might do for the rest of the, the, the carnival in in terms of other Group One plans. And you know, a horse like Palaly, he could go to the Manicado, he could go to the Coolmore, or both, uh, or he could go past, say, through the Everest to to the Coolmore. But you just worry what it does to his confidence if you get it wrong. Vin, thanks for your time. One more question just before you go. I'll squeeze one more bit of information out of you. you, you you've got to make the Everest decision in the next 24, 48 hours. I would imagine the decision with Animo is not as urgent, but will you make that sooner than later, do you think? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, we've, we've, we've got to commit to a jockey and there's not many mm. jockeys running around that can make that weight. Um, so, you know, that you, you've got to put them in the mix so that they can uh, make their own plans around that. So, um, so yeah, we'll probably, you know, again, let the dust settle. He is a well-known euphemism. Um, and and just see how the horse is. And, you know, if the horse is fitting well, it'd be unlikely. We'd be highly unlikely we don't head towards the Cox Plain. Good to hear. Congratulations on yesterday. And, and again, I, I, I do stress this, thanks for your time. No worries at all, David. Good to chat. Nice to speak, Ben. Ben Cox joining us from Godolphin. So there it is. I think Animo will be in the Cox Plate. I think we can uh, take that as read that he'll be lining up in the Cox Plate for sure. Uh, as we said, the Caulfield Guineas is a race that um, you know, the best horse should win. The best horse won yesterday. And I think it's also testament to the race that Animo was the, um, the, the size winner, the horse Captivant that he beat. Of course, won the Champagne as a two-year-old and the horse that ran third, Artorias, won the Blue Diamond. So they're all... Top-line horses, they trifected the race. It was a strongly run guineas. Uh, it was hard early and middle, and it suited those from the back. And um, as we saw, Animo, Captivant and Artorias all came from the second half of the field. Artorias didn't help his chances with a bad getaway. No, absolutely not. One that caught my eye a little bit um, you know, was uh, nowhere near the winners, but Hitotsu, who mm. scraped into the uh, field in his emergency, the, um, the Kieran Ma and Dave Eustace trained Colt, um, by the Japanese stallion Maurice, I thought was um, coming off uh, fairly limited form going into the race. I think he won a, a maiden somewhere, or um, he was he was good. He's got a future that horse. I've always said you're the smartest man in the room. No, I'm not. Because I was going to mention Hitotsu as well, <laughs> only because yesterday it was it was part of chatter saying if there's a good ruffie in the race, it's Hitotsu. I think Mark Hunter mentioned that, and I know a few others did as well. And you're right was coming off a Donald Maiden win, but that doesn't always mean everything. But the run was good for Fakir and Mar and Dave Eustace. That was the Caulfield Guineas. Well, that was the highlight. I'm not saying this was a low light, but probably the surprise of the day or the shock of the day was Zaki's defeat in the, the Might and Power, formerly the Caulfield Stakes. He went to the post at $1.28. Let's pick up the action now with Matt Hill.
So at the 450, Homesman lets down, led by three quarters of a length to Zaki. As the jockey on Homesman, McNeil's the first to go for the persuader. To third, Probabile, only two off the lead, and then Nonconformer. Zaki's got a race here in the straight at the 300. Homesman just in front. Zaki has to find because Probabile's driven through and Nonconformist. Zaki's really going to have to find at the 150. Probabile's wayward. Nonconformist the threat, then Zaki. Probabile and Nonconformist. Probabile just in front. Nonconformist drives. Photo. Photo finish. Nonconformist or Probabile. Then Homesman or Zaki, who was disappointing face value. They found a way to beat him. And last of the five, no effort. Wonderful me, Probabile. 12 wins now from 27 starts and a Group 1 victory by the barest possible margin. The man who rode Probabile, Brett Preble, is our next guest on Pass the Post. Brett, good morning. Firstly, thanks for your time. Secondly, did you think you'd won? Yeah, good morning. No, I did not think I won. I um, I thought I definitely didn't uh, get the bob in, but uh, it's a very, very nice feeling when you uh, come back when you uh, win a Group 1 when you haven't thought you won, so... And it wasn't probably the nicest feeling for Jordan. I congratulated him because I thought he'd won. And so he he had the opposite feeling. So that was um, yeah, that's racing, I suppose. Congratulations on your, your fourth group one this spring, Brett. What was your game plan going into this race, given that all eyes were on Zaki as the, the raging favourite? What, what what were your thoughts going into it? Yeah, well, I, I thought, obviously, the pace would be more, more stronger than what it was. And... Um, I was mindful of how she's been jumping out of barriers and she hasn't been leaving the machine well at all. And I've been sort of trying to um, have her up in a more of a full position because obviously there's smaller fields and, and, and obviously he's been documented. There's no speed in those couple of those races. So even last time I sort of sat <clears throat> sort of third and she was sort of just there. So yesterday I was really happy to really just let her come out and, and be happy where she wanted to be and that's how it sort of panned. I thought I might be able to get sort of on Zaki's back but when um, Geordie was sort of <clears throat> three three quarters back on me, I knew he was going to um, obviously want to be in that position as well so I didn't want to uh, make, make it a bit of an argy-bargy to hold that position. so I sort of floated back down the rail and, and I thought well I'd have to just ride for a bit of luck then and I knew she's got a really good turn of foot to get me out of trouble if, if, if a gap opened and that's how it sort of um, uh, come about. I just wanted to sort of take you out of the race I and mean, you competed in the race and I imagine you've watched the replay a few times. From a racing point of view, it was a great race to watch, Brett, because everyone was flat out, everyone was doing their best and you really didn't know who was going to win the race, uh, you know, several times down the straight. I thought it was you know, amazing, a five-horse field with a twenty-eight favourite. Turned out one of the best races we've seen in some time. Yeah, even the call, you know, even if you listen on the radio, you would it would have been exciting, you know. So you're not sure who's going to win, and that's how it was. Um, that's how the race was, how it, how it was run. So it was a very exciting race. It was busy, and often those small small fields can can be that way because it's just um, and often there is an upset, you know. There's normally a, a short price favourite does get rolled, and you see it time and time again, and. You know, obviously some, some knockers who was knocking me on for Friday that uh, thought that I could probably unseat Zaki. So, you know, it was, um, oh, it was good that I could. And, and I, it was always, you know, it's a, it's a horse race at the end of the day, isn't it? You know, so and you have to have the luck in running and everything has to pan. And yesterday, you know, he was just, uh, he was too keen to favourite for mine. He, he, he actually would have been better leader than, than Roland. So 
and that's just the way it goes. You, you had the time again. He probably rode, rode different that race, but that's that was how that race was run. So it looks like um, uh, we're probably buttering up again in the in the Cox Plate with probable, unless perhaps it's it's wet, and then maybe maybe hold off for another week. But but assuming it's um, you know it's a good track, it looks a nice a nice race for. Her. Yeah, Eleanor's a firm deck. She she really appreciates that. It's funny. She's a quite quite a big and heavy mare, and you'd think she'd really appreciate really getting that toe in and and, and having a bit of jar out of it, but it's not so. So it, um, I, I, I still believe you know that hard uh, got a buster yesterday will really bring her on. She'd be really hard fit for that. She's a big gross mare. She put on weight from her last run to this run, so I think this will tighten her up and and. You know, as I suggested in the, in the, in the post race, I said she was out last hundred, and I really believe that she was. She did sprint and give it to me, and and was was probably just out. And I reckon that that race will really bring her right to a hundred percent fitness and and peaking at the right time. She's got big one coming up and in two weeks, so I think uh, she's pretty spot on. She, she to go on that race and 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 run run the race of her life. I think we have to give her kudos uh, in a big way because she's one of the best mares in Australasia and one thing about her Brett is that you can produce her first up in a 1200 metre race and she can win and there she is slogging it out at group one level over 2000 metres and you know, has a wonderful strike rate so you know she deserves a lot of praise this mare. My word yeah, yeah those only the good ones coming over, over the short course and then stretch to 2000 and um you know, it's, and a lot of it's just determination and will to win from, from those good ones. You know, I think it's not fair. Like de- uh, definitely, 2000 is not her, her pet trip, that's for sure. But the right right circumstances, she's going to uh, give you the best fight. I'll put a hypothetical question to you. Um, there was the race yesterday. You won the race on Probabil. What do you think Incentivise would have done in that race yesterday? No, oh, geez. <laughs> well, but it's it, it, uh, it, it's an interesting question because you well, know I wouldn't have been run like that for one. No, <laughs> you know, they didn't get back those circumstances again. You know, so could have, would have, whatever. So you know, should have. But um, it's not. You know, I, I, I wouldn't wouldn't like to think what happened because I would have um, I would have been in an awful tricky situation of having to make that call on the road. So you would, <laughs> but it was never going that way. So we don't have to worry about. It. You've had a fat spring carnival already, Brad. It could get fatter, obviously, this week. You're on the 1,000 guineas favourite, Zuzarella, and obviously incentivised next Saturday. Can you just talk to us a little bit about those two? Um, she, she's gone terrific, hasn't she, Zuzarella? And yeah. I'd suggest incentivise. One of the ramifications of yesterday was there was a, almost a title up for grabs, even though they hadn't raced, of who was Australia's best horse or most exciting horse, and incentivise the stocks have probably risen just sitting at home in his box. Yeah, exactly. You know, and they were racing around on a, on a firm deck, and you know, got to come out of that uh, trot up this morning sound. So uh, he's been home uh, having a nice time, and he's a very fit horse, and he's going into his race with a really good preparation that Pete's given him, and um, we should hopefully get a, get our chance on on Saturday. But Mrs. Um, Zarella, well, she's she's a really exciting horse. I've said that from day one. She's um, she's put her hand up, and uh, she's been set for this race a long way out. So. Her last start was a really um, encouraging run, to, uh, first time to the 14, and she she gave me a nice ride, and we had to go back from an awkward 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 gate. So, hopefully, she can draw a softer draw. She won't have to be in in the bin, and um, she'll have a chance. Just before you go, final question: Incentivise won the Maccabi Diva, then won the Turnbull. Uh, what field did he give you in the Turnbull? Was it any different to the, the Maccabi Diva? 
No, he's given me the same feel every time I rode him since the first time I sat on him. Mm. He's um, he, uh, the first day I rode him, I thought he'd wait for a horse, and that's what he is. He's, just, he's a serious horse, and um, he's still, he's got a big bright future ahead of him. Did did he go to Mooney Valley for a gallop? Yeah, he went there. He got around the grass. Actually, I was quite surprised. Um, we were out really wide, and and it was probably on the soft six that morning. Um, it was nice work. He just followed his stable mate around, which he always does. We don't test him, and he doesn't need to be tested in the mornings. But he went there and had a good look around, and it was really good. He used his gears on the bend and and gave me a nice feel up up the up the, up the straight. He actually had a really good look around there. And um, it was good. No, it's um, it just a little uh, adult professional to be on. You know, he's a really enjoyable ride. Big week coming up. Good luck uh, in all the big races, and thanks for your time this morning. Thanks, boys. Have a good one. Brett Preble joining us. What do I incentivize did go to Mooney Valley to have a look around? Yeah, well, I, <clears throat> I can tell you, he's. He, I actually went up to Windermere Stud on Friday and spent a few hours with Steve Tregaves. Actually, I've got a feature in um, today's News Limited papers uh, and going on RaceNet later. Just because I wanted to you know, get out of town, spend a bit of time up there. But I actually asked Steve Tregaves, still the, the managing owner of that horse, w- w- why is this horse in the, still in the Cox Plate? He said he won't run in the Cox Plate unless something goes wrong this week and he has a little setback and for some reason or another he doesn't line up in the Caulfield Cup. Mm. So basically he would have gone to Mooney Valley just for a spin around so he could have a look at the place yeah, just in case there was like a sort of three or four day setback which meant that he couldn't take his place in the Caulfield Cup. But I would not in a million years be back in incentivise in the Cox Plate because he won't be going there. Stewards actually spoke to Craig Williams after Zaki's performance and... Um Craig was a, a bit bullish. He said uh, he had every chance. He said, in fact, I think in the stewards' report, the quote is that he felt he was disappointing on the day. He said he was keen early, and I think everyone's agreed with that, that he was a bit keen. Um, vetted, uh, no dramas there. Uh, the track, there's two issues to the track. The actual nature of the Caulfield track, the geography of the track, and the track surface itself. Were they contributing factors? Yeah, I think so. And look, there was a lot of things. I mean, I noticed yesterday, for instance, uh, only a little thing, but uh, Zaki had taping around all four fetlocks, you know, which obviously had something to do with the, um, you know, the firm track. Um, and a lot of trainers, I don't think, were happy. Nick Williams, as he sometimes is, was very vocal on, on Twitter saying that, the, the, you know, the track was too hard. It'd actually be interesting. I think we've got Mick Price coming up. He's a very good thinker on these things to ask Mick what he what he thought. I mean, we are, I suppose the thing is, it is an outdoor sport racing, isn't it? I mean, you don't want to see tracks too hard, um, but it's not an indoor sport. Sometimes you, you get what you get, I, I guess. And look, I thought there were some excuses for Zaki, um, but I reckon Matt Hill's call was right. On face value, is disappointing. Nonconformist who was beaten an eyelash, uh, he'll back up in the Caulfield Cup next week. Um, so he's headed in the right direction. That was the, uh, the might and power, and uh, it was a great race to watch. It was a competitive race. Let's go to the other group one of the day, the Turak, and as Ben has alluded to, Mick Price uh, with Michael Ken Jr. They train in partnership, and they provided the $3.20 favourite, I'm Thunderstruck. Second slip just in front of the 400 from So You Assume. Then Luna Fox to Fane needs it out. Now I'm Thunderstruck's run up behind that wall. Elephant, it's outside. Then came Embolism. As they reach the 250, So You Assume from Luna Fox. I'm Thunderstruck got out. Then Embolism. They're across the track. Tafane's bursting through at the 100 to Fane. I'm Thunderstruck stride for stride. I'm Thunderstruck finishes hard. Gets a neck in front and won the Turak. I'm Thunderstruck from Tafane Superstorm late. Quantum Mechanic. 
Dragon of Photo for fourth with Embolism. Then Luna Fox, second slip from Elephant. Behind them, so you assume, Irish Flame, Dice Roll, and a long last, Sierra Sue. He was the $3.20 favourite in the Turak, and he won. He was outstanding in the Rupert Clark off a, a bad barrier. Yesterday he had a good barrier, but it wasn't a, a comfortable run in transit. We'll talk more about this now with uh, with Mick Price. Mick, good morning. Morning, Dave. How are you, mate? I'm well. I've watched this replay a few times, and, and, and I know he's won the race, and, and correct weight, everyone's been paid, but it's still an uncomfortable watch, particularly down the side when he's between elephant and dice roll. Yeah, well, you can blame jockeys for that one <laughs> when they risk their lives by riding boot to boot and um, uh, too tight for whatever reason. Um, I don't think it's necessary and I think it's dangerous. And I think if, um, you know, you have a clip heels thing and uh, someone comes down, uh, I don't know, it's just ridiculous. I see it uh, on the odd occasion. But um, yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a, a great watch myself. Even though horse was brave, jockey was brave, and that's all fine, all that hero stuff. But um, I think you know what I'm talking about. I think I think I do, and and I think to illustrate it, when you see that chopper vision, that that you know, top over vision, uh, it's 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 not a comfortable watch. I, I agree with you totally. On the upside, on the on the positive side, here's a horse winning a Turak. And his eighth start, that says something in itself. Yeah, it's uh, pretty good, isn't it? I mean, he's a four-year-old and mature. You know, we bought, bought him sort of mature about 12 months ago, sort of mature. Uh, he's had to learn a bit. You know, he was a... Um, he had his L-plates on there for a while when we when we first got him, but um, I've always liked him. And, um, look, we weren't going into the Turek. We weren't going this route early early days, this early preparation. You know, he might have been a 70 rater. But uh, I don't know, he just put in a really good trial, like it improved a lot, and hence we got a run in the Rupert Clark, which put our rating up about 16 points, which got us a run in the Turak, which got us a win in the Turak, and that's, uh, you yeah, know, that's how good the horse is. Um, so, yeah, he put up really good, and we go into the Golden Rose. You mentioned the, the, the sort of jockey games out there, but um, you must have been really heartened to see such a young, inexperienced horse just have the, the, the bravery and the wherewithal to actually go through that gap, and, and it must give you more heart for his future that he's, he's able to do things like that. Uh, for sure, yeah. Uh, look, he's a, he's a really bold horse, wasn't he? You know, And uh, that's him. I suppose all horses are different, aren't they? You get, you get some of them that uh, are very timid, and you know, shy away and all that sort of stuff. But he's a horse that's improving bit by bit. He was uh, he pulled it really good this morning. I mean, it helps if they're physically spot on, and um, you know they tend to drive through and uh, race a lot better if they're physically spot on. Um, but yeah, he's very tough and very genuine. And, yeah, well, I, I thought Jai McNeil did a great job. Uh, he, he sort of uh, wanted it and um, pushed through, and that was very very. Bold, bold's one word for it. Um, but anyway, it was a great result. It certainly was. Eight starts have all been in Melbourne. Goes the other way in, in Sydney. Has he ever worked the other way around? We bought him off a trial the right-handed way, okay. and on that inside grass at Caulfield, there it sort of cambered down really nicely, and it's a tightish sort of a track. And uh, over the years, I've used that track. They give you that track whenever you need it to go to Sydney. You know, and they. Uh, 
So he can work Sydney way. He's worked Sydney way a couple of times, and he's he's very good that way. He also had a little uh, habit of um, what he used to do. He used to roll in. He used to roll in in Melbourne. So I don't know if he, that means he rolls out in Sydney, but he's sort of doing it a lot less as he's learning a lot more. So uh, look, I'm hoping it's a thing of the past because it does cost you races if they if they do that um, to a large degree. Anyway, we'll go to Sydney. I haven't got a rider pinned yet, but uh, I think it'll be either J-Mac or Huey. And, um, yeah, so we've got three weeks, and that should be good. Yeah, he's the $4 favourite now for that race, Mick. Can I just get your thoughts? Obviously, it was a talking point yesterday on that Caulfield surface. Um, you know, it was obviously very firm. Uh, yeah. What do you make of that whole debate? Well, okay, so... Jason Kerr is one of the best curators, no doubt about that. And, you know, when you're trying to water and it's windy, the water tends to not go very well into the ground. I'm not a curator, but um, I've looked at that course proper nearly every day for 20 years. And yesterday at 4 o'clock in the morning, it was it's usually very heavily dewed, even though he did water it. It was very windy there, and I don't think you can get much water... Um, into the soil, you know, let alone you get on the grass, but uh, you can't get in the soil. And then he had a dry, windy day, and he was just, uh, I don't know, I reckon he's a bit unlucky. Um, it was uh, I, it was on the on the firm side of good three, put it that way. Mm. And it's, it's not an exact science either. Things can happen, as you say, events can happen that, that can upset the whole apple cart. Just before you go, how's Ayrton going? He's all right. Uh, I see Desley Force's horse uh, brained them again there yesterday. Yeah. And he's gone also that 1,400 metre around Beagle Farm, isn't he? Um, yeah, but Ayrton is good. He's out of hospital into the little vet box out the farm. And uh, he's got thickening in the leg, but he uh, no toxic spider bite symptoms like sloughing of flesh or anything like that, you know what I mean, which is a really bad part of spider bite. But uh, he's all right. Uh, so wipe this prep off and just get him happy and healthy and hopefully um, have him back for the autumn. Good on you, mate. Thanks for your time this morning. Thanks, David. There he is, Mick Price, joining us this morning with I'm Thunderstruck. And uh, it was tight racing. Yeah, <clears throat> I take Mick's point. It was uh, it was a fascinating slash scary watch. But, mm. uh, you know, if you've got an expensive horse or a good horse, you, you don't like to see that. Tafane, she's a great mare. She, she ran out of her skin again at the mile, which is... Her outer limit, Superstorm good in third as well. Yeah, it was a good race all round. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you can watch it probably 20 times and you get as, just as excited every time with the with the, with the bumping and the duelling and the jockeying, mm. don't you? So, um, but, gee whiz, that horse will be hard to beat in a Golden Eagle. And, of course, Moonga looks like uh, he's going there as well. So they're the two faves for that $7.5 million race. Yeah, 135 in the Guineas, 134.87 in the Turak. Let's round out Caulfield. And go to the Herbert Power, the last. Delphi let's stride goes to the front from Turidan and Mirage Dancer then Hustle of War future score wax away outside of Kalorni from the chosen one then Berade but Delphi left in front a long way from home but clears out about three lengths in front of Mirage Dancer then Turidan Hustle of War the chosen one to the middle Delphi at the 200 meters led by two lengths Mirage Dancer the chosen one Hustle of War Delphi Oliver takes a peek over the shoulder at the hundred he still leads by a length and three quarters and Delphi 
he's going to do it. Delphi wins by a length the chosen one. Hustle of War and Defibrillate through for fourth. Then came Mirage Dancer Parade Turret and Future School Kalorni along Gap Actau. And at the tail of the field was Rostropovich. Well, Delphi was $17 for the Caulfield Cup before the Herbert Power was into nine last night, into seven this morning. He's now cemented himself as the second favourite behind Incentivise. He carried 57 yesterday. He carries 52 and a half next week. Not saying he'll win the Caulfield Cup far from it because Incentivise looks close to a good thing, but I'm sure he won't run badly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, nice win. Gee, I was taken with the run at the chosen one, uh, running home for a second from a, uh, from a Cup's point of view, potentially a Melbourne Cup point of view. I thought that was a, a terrific uh, pipe opener in that race. It was a great ride there by Damien Oliver. They didn't go hard and uh, he made it a staying test. He took off. This horse can stay and he can sprint as well. And if you've got both assets, it's, it's great to have. Can we call him Can we call him a Queensland graduate? He ran up here, didn't he, Delph? I think he did. He did. He ran in the, in the Wayne Wilson. He ran sixth of eight there in the go. race no, that... Uh, we'll claim him as a Queensland. Ran, ran the <laughs> one. They were some of the... Well, they were the highlights from Caulfield yesterday. A great day of racing, of course, Cup Day this Saturday. Let's turn our attention out to Royal Ramwick, where the Group 1 Spring Champion was the feature. That's our first replay. And Profondo topping the rise, races to the lead. Got a half length up on the filly. It's Profondo from Never Been Kissed and Allegron. Head of States a long way back and French Emperor making ground. But Profondo going through his gears. And it's all go for Profondo and the spring champion. The favourite wins it easily from Never Been Kissed and Allegron. Then satirical glory from Benno. Further back to Raging Bull, French Emperor from Buller. Patton, Clyde, Inverell, and something's gone wrong with head of state. He's finished a long last. Yes, he pulled up with cardiac arrhythmia head of state, so he was out of business, but not so profondo up the other end of the track, uh, really owning this race, controlling this race, and that's uh, Robbie Dolan's largely responsible for that, put him into the race and then was there to challenge never being kissed and then asserting his superiority. He was the best horse in the race. Richard Litt is the trainer of profondo, and he's our next guest on Pass the Post. Richard, good morning. Good morning. Congratulations. Uh, you must sometimes pinch yourself to say, here's a horse, and its third start in a race is one in Group 1. Yeah, pretty incredible. Um, you know, I don't know if it's been done for a horse having its third start in a race and over 2,000 metres and winning a Group 1. So, no, it's pretty incredible. And there was a big show of faith from from yourself and the owners keeping uh, Robbie Dolan on, which was justified. And gee whiz, how good were those scenes post race? Him, him, Robbie breaking down and talking about his parents in Ireland. It was just a terrific racing moment, wasn't it? Yeah, look, he's a, a wonderful person. He's been over here from a very young age, and he's made all his way through by himself and his partner Christine. And he deserved it more than anyone probably. And I'm just delighted that I can produce his first Group 1 winner. I've had a lot to do with him over the years, and um, he's a wonderful person. He deserves, you know, huge credit, and he did a wonderful job. He he had a lot of pressure on him, and uh, he didn't show it. He did a fantastic job. Success in this race isn't strange to you. Of course, Castelvecchio, Castelvecchio won it in 2019. Are there comparisons with, with that horse in Profondo? I think he ran second, in it? I don't think he won it. Oh, sorry. Shadow Hero. I wish he did. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's Shadow Hero. It's my mistake for the day. <laughs> yeah. Well, but in <laughs> saying right. that, in saying that, then he ran, I know he ran the Cox Plate, but are there comparisons or, or could you draw comparisons with the two? Oh, look, I don't like to do that. You know, every every horse is different. They're both wonderful horses. Castavecchia was, you know, enormous. Such a good horse. 
Um, but Profondo, you know, he's he's the same. You know, he's incredible horse as well. And you know, I don't I don't really want to make judgment on them both and compare them. But um, you know, we're just very lucky to have them. What happened in the previous start, Richard? Just in the in the gloaming when he ran second behind head of state, because G looked awkward in that last hundred metres. Looked like he was sort of veering into the fence and whatever. Was that just a, yeah. a weird sort of circumstance, or what happened that day? Just he was just green and experienced, you know. He, he um, just ducked in, just shied away from the stick. He'd never really been hit, you know, before, and uh, that's just the way that he reacted. He overreacted and. Um, he <laughs> threw the race away a little bit, but, you know, it wasn't the end of the world. It's definitely not the end of the world, and uh, he did a good job to pick himself up and work to the line with head of state, and, you know, he took great improvement from that race. He learned a lot. We all learned a lot and uh, got the job done when it really counted. Take us back in time. The Galetta family are great supporters uh, of yourself, and this uh, horse, uh, he's a deep impact. Uh, Cole, he went for $1.9 million. At the Magic Million sales, were you always keen to get him, and were you prepared to go? What was the 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 the, the budget, so to speak, with this horse? What was the background of the, the sale of this horse? Well, it was you know John Sarah from Arrowfield and Octavio, very very close friends, and uh, Octavio just asked me to go up there and, and try and buy him, and uh, he never gave me a price. I just spoke to him on the phone, and and um, he really wanted to secure him. It surprised me more than anyone. And, you know, he brought him, and he's a beautiful horse with a magnificent pedigree. And, um, you know, I'm very, very pleased it's worked out the way that it has because, as we all know, they can go either way. They're only flesh and blood, you know. They don't know their sale price. And, um, you know, it's an extremely unique situation to train a $2 million colt and um, and then for him to win a Group 1, it's incredible. Is there... Oh, I think I know the answer to this question before I ask it, but is there any um, tiny bit of you that that wishes perhaps you had to put him into into the Cox Plate, or, or is that just at a fourth start? It just would have been too too uh, far, you know too big a bridge to climb because obviously Castelvecchio, who you know was far more experienced at this stage of his career, ran ran out of his skin in the Cox Plate. Yeah, look, he, he's just like the scary thing about this horse for him to do what he's done. He's still immature mentally, physically. He's still very green. Um, he still doesn't even know what racing's about. And for him to run in a high-pressure race like the Cox Plate in his fourth start, and I'm sure he would have run very, very well, you know, it could have been too much. And the horse has a huge future, and I don't think any of us were prepared to, um, you know, make that decision for him to go to the Cox Plate and, and it be the wrong one. So we wanted to take the reserved approach and he he will get his chance to run in a cox plate in the future and um you know heading into the autumn um with a much stronger well-rested horse he is he's going to be extremely exciting and you know i think we've made definitely the right decision look i would love to run in the cox plate so would the galettas but i know we will have an opportunity to run in the race with him we just have to be patient I know it's an old expression, but the world is your oyster with this horse. There's no doubt about it at all. Thanks for your time, Richard. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Thanks. Richard Litt joining us this morning, the trainer of Profondo. And, uh, yeah, they were great scenes, weren't they, yesterday? Oh, terrific. And they're, they're the scenes that really get you in the heart in, in racing, aren't they? And uh, he just burst into tears, Robbie Dolan. I loved how he uh, said his dad in Ireland mm. stays up to watch him in his races and not just Group one races or group two races. Like if he's riding, could be riding anywhere. His dad will stay up to watch it. So that's a very close knit family, 
And it sounds like he's, he's you know, when he arrived in Sydney, he didn't, you know, probably didn't have five cents to scrape together, just um, has busted his guts to, to get to the point where he is now. I've never spoken to Robbie Dolan. I'd love to, but they reckon he's a, he's a terrific kid. Well, he's not a kid. He's a, he's a man, but um, young man. I purposely said, it, you are the smartest person in the room. I set that trap, <laughs> that mistake I made, to see if you'd pick it up, and you did. Yeah. That was good. I just, I, I you, of course. I, I, as I told you before we walked in the studio, David, you know I'm behind you in life. I'm right behind you, about three kilometres behind you. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, let's press on. The Silver Eagle is a, a, a genuine lead up to the Golden Eagle. Well, time will tell. A roughie won the race, but it was an open betting race. Here's the replay. Hello, uh, there's trouble here around the turn. There's been a right kerfuffle. And Count de Rupi got to the Tremonto got to the lead briefly, but now Ellsberg and Count de Rupi down the outside. And Aim's going for a gap between them. Count de Rupi the outside from Ellsberg. Aim going through the middle. Aim going to Count de Rupi and Ellsberg. Aim with the head in front. Aim just. Aim by a half head to Ellsberg. Count de Rupi third from Blondo, high supremacy. Uh, further back to Equation from Exo Boom. Uh, they're followed then by Prime Star. He's a horse who's won over 1.6 million in prize money, courtesy of his Magic Millions Guineas win earlier this year. But there was another big uh, trophy on the mantelpiece for AIM, the Silver Eagle yesterday, half-million-dollar race, and he'll go to the Golden Eagle. He's got to go to 1,500 metres. I think the Stones have got a little concern there, but... If he strikes a, a good track, he's, he's pretty ordinary on wet. If he strikes a good track, well, he's not out of contention. Yeah, like he's a real surprise pack at this horse, isn't he? Like he won at $31 yesterday, uh, won the Magic Millions Guineas at $31, and his previous two starts, uh, sorry, his previous two wins, won at $15 and $7. So he's just never in the market, especially when he wins. So, look, he's um, one of the Snowdens must be making a making a little bit of money on the pun, I reckon, off him if he's going out at those odds and winning. Um, so he's certainly got some ability. Can he win a Golden Eagle? Probably not. Probably not. Beating Ellsberg and Counter-Rupee, a fairly busy finish, and as uh, Darren outlined in the call, there was drama around the turn because Triple Ace uh, unfortunately broke down. It was leading, but so the field was lucky to get around it. Let's go to a couple of uh, other three-year-old features. We'll go to the Stan Fox firstly, and the favourite here was Coast Watch at $2.10. And Moradin swings in front of Coteal. Brigantine three out, Halau four out. And further back to Coast Watch, who needs a little bit of room and is being roused along as Coteal races to a narrow lead. Coast Watch gets the inside run now from Halal. They've got to Brigantine. It's Halal on the outside and Coast Watch. Halau wide out. Coast Watch the inside. Nose and nose here. Halau might be doing better. Yes, Halau wins the Stan Fox. Halau beat the favourite Coast Watch. And Brigantine third. Coteal stopped the last little. A bit of miss the top three. Then Akihiro from Moradin, the mystery guy, was last home. He's a fast net, fast net rock colt, and he put his best foot forward yesterday. The jury might have been a bit out on Halal this time, and he was never a factor in the Golden Rose, but he he'd suffered two defeats in Melbourne prior to that Golden Rose run. But uh, yesterday, uh, he was at his best. Yeah, he was. Um, good win back in the winner's tour. Gee, I found the favourite there. Coast Watch disappointing. Um, I know he ran second, but... Um, Seemed to have every possible to me. Um, James McDonald gave him a beautiful run, got up on the inside there, and, you know, maybe he needs longer. I'm not sure, but um, I think thought he had every possible yesterday, and those who backed him are left with holes in their pockets, unfortunately. We're going to go to a break. Let's go to the break and listen to Paul Ailey when the Roman Consul was the $1.90 favourite for Godolphin and J-Mac. 
500 metres to run, a very fine red and sort of state joint leaders around the turn. Tri-State lost a half length there. Palali has to come off its heels, followed by Mimosas. Glen Eagles gets going. King of Sparta in tight room. Down to the 300, Palali moved after sort of state. Then came Glen Eagles and King of Sparta working into the clear. Palali got a length and a half clear. King of Sparta, Glen Eagles fighting out the miners. Palali clearing the Roman console. Too good. Glen Eagles grabs circuit in front of King of Sparta. Overpass at big odds, a hard uh, finishing fourth at the end, then sort of state, followed by a very fine red, and a gap back to Mimosas, O President and Tri State. This is Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Just adding the mistakes onto my list here. I said to you last week there was a spirit of boom cult that you could buy into out of generals. Well, that was wrong. It's fate rules which is the dam of Jen Rills, who was a multiple city winner. So you can still buy a share. I see there's been no activity from you during the week. I've been checking. <laughs> no, nothing. Is anyone called Dory's Ring? No, no nothing. But I must admit, though, I like, I like a man or a woman who owns up to their mistakes. I reckon if you make a mistake in life, you've got to own it. I've always been really big on that. Well, if you yeah. stuff something up, yeah. you've got to put your hand up. So, well, I'm liking this from you. You've so done I'm, it three I'm, times already this morning. Twice, not three. <laughs> Spirit of Boom, Fate Rules Cult. You can buy into it now. Just go to archerparkracing.com.au. Plenty of others there as well. And as I said, the horses are being named now. The two-year-olds are racing. These horses will be racing in the next few months. You can be part of it. Okay, Eagle Farm yesterday. Let's go to one of the features. And this promised to be a good clash between Apache Chase and Emerald Kingdom. Putters stuck solid. There was a good move for Emerald Kingdom, but they stuck solid with Apache Chase. He went to the post as the $2.10 favourite. Emerald Kingdom headed for home in front. Apache Chase comes away from the inside, goes up to tackle and stand out Emerald Kingdom. Samurai in third, snitch in fourth, then Vinko. Emerald Kingdom now headed by Apache Chase. Jockey Jim goes for home. Emerald Kingdom is fighting on strongly. They're a mile in front of the others. Apache Chase has got a length lead. Now a length and a quarter. Now a length and a half. Emerald Kingdom second. In third was Vinko, but Apache Chase too good. He beat over Emerald Kingdom. It was a good fight though. Vinko third. Flash our fourth, then our playboy snitch Samurai and Ligulate last over the line. One more step to the Golden Eagle, maybe. Well, potentially, uh, that was that's the plan in mind that's been considered. And Apache Chase continuing that love affair with the Eagle Farm 1,400 metres. Six attempts, five wins. And Desley Forster, the trainer of Apache Chase, is joining us this morning on Past the Post. Des, good morning. Morning, David. Before anything else, congratulations, because it wasn't just about Apache Chase yesterday. You got the ball rolling with Exo Lady and the two-year-old, and you finished it off with Boom Spender in the last. Jimmy Byrne with you every step of the way. Your colours up there. It's never easy to train a treble on a Saturday Metropolitan meeting, let alone a stable that doesn't have big numbers. So that was a, a great day for you yesterday. Uh, thank you. Yeah, it was a good day for the stable, and I said... Um, but the hard work's paid off. Have you trained a city treble before on a Saturday? No, not oh, first time. That's wonderful. All right, Apache Chase, um, are we going to the Golden Eagle? Uh, yeah, I think so. Excellent. Yesterday, Jimmy Burns showed on two occasions early in the piece that he was happy to ride, happy, as I said, the call to be the pursuer. And this horse is responding now. He, he's, he's still, you know, he's still learning. He's a work in progress and he's... He's um, following speed and hitting the line well. You must be delighted with that. Yeah, no, we are really, really happy. Like I said, um, 
we were sort of doing that a little bit. Tried to do that last time in two, but he just probably towards there. There probably wasn't horses probably quick enough to lead him to do that with. So it's been good. The last couple of starts, we've had a couple of horses that got a bit of speed, and they've been able to lead him. We've been able to just put him in behind him and use him as a bit of a bunny for him. Where are you at, Des, with convincing Jimmy to go down there? Oh, it's easy to convince him to go down there, but coming back to the hard bit, obviously, with quarantine, um, is that going to happen, and are you going to go down there? Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure Jimmy's going down, and I'll probably go down as well. So um, we just let everything quieten down over the next couple of days, and then we'll sit down and work it all out. He beat Emerald Kingdom on his merits, and Emerald Kingdom's no slouch. He was good enough to run into Stradbroke, as was your horse, Apache Chase. Jim Byrne made a very interesting comment yesterday, post-race. Uh, he, he, and Jim's not one to make big comments, but he thought he could win the Stradbroke on, a, on Apache Chase. He did waste to, to, to ride him well, so he's obviously always had a very high opinion of him. Yeah, no, Jimmy's had a, probably um, got a big opinion after he rode him a few times, and once we learn, once he learns to relax and really switch mm. off, um, he's going to really make a nice horse and he'll make the grade. Really, well, he's making the grade now, but once he really learns to chill, um, he'll be a much better horse. Exo Lady won the two-year-old, uh, led all of the way. Uh, like these young horses that, that, that do everything right, well-mannered and, 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 and have speed to, to take a position. Yeah, no, she's um, very bomb-proof. She's been pretty professional since day one. She walked in the stables, not too much worries her. She just goes about her business, and she's very push-button, which you seen yesterday when like, Jimmy gave her a dig out of the gate, lad, and when he eased, done what he wanted to do, and even like late, he sort of idled down. When he idled down, she sort of really switched off and um, done everything right. Boom Spender won the last race. Good ride here by Byrne, too, because... And I, one thing I couldn't work out, everyone was saying, oh, in gear elite, in gear elite. I thought if Boomspender wants to lead, he can lead. And that's exactly what Jimmy did. And he knew in gear wouldn't put any pressure on because she's a bit suspect at the end. So in the wash-up, you, you had a butte run in front. Yeah, exactly. I said, last start, um, start before he won at Eagle Farm and he led. And last start, he missed the start and he was sort of just out of question. But yesterday we... Um, Rode him a little bit positive from the gate and he jumped good yesterday and just when he was walking in front like that, Jimmy just done what he wanted and um yeah, no, he was good. Like I said, he's he's a he's a really good galloper on his day, Boom Spender. He certainly is. You're a bit croaky this morning. Did you have a big night last night? Oh, we had a few drinks last night. So <laughs> just probably it. need a needs a little bit of sleep after <laughs> after them work this morning and probably just need a little bit of sleep. You deserve to have a big night because, as I said, that's one hell of a day yesterday. And uh, We love Apache Chase. He's a real Queenslander and, and fingers crossed we're looking forward to seeing him in that, that big race, the Golden Eagle, at the end of the month. Enjoy your day, Des. Thanks for your time. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Desley Forster joining us. She's had a big night for sure. Yeah, she was a little bit croaky. I'm just looking at the market for the Golden Eagle. Uh, they're starting to take Apache Chase seriously, the, uh, the tab. He's into uh, $15, so... I think he was. I'm not quite sure what price he was before that race, but I think it wasn't that long ago. He was he was thirty or forty to one. So uh, he won't just be there to make up the numbers. Well, he's a, he's a multiple group winner, and uh, he's he's a horse who makes his own luck. Whether he leads or just races off the speed, he's always up there, and and that fourteen hundred, fifteen hundred zones good for him. So he might win the Golden Eagle, but I tell you what, I'm, I'm sure he'll be competitive. Yeah, and. 
Desley, while she's very exuberant price race, she's not prone to make huge statements. Mm. But uh, I noticed with interest yesterday, he said she said he's starting to become a bit of a superstar. So I think that's uh, we should. Uh, she's not suggesting he is a superstar, but just the fact that she'd say that. She's very, very confident in this horse. Let's go to the Queensland Cup. Honourable spirit, punters stuck solid here, $2.60 and favourite. They pack right up. Navy cross lead. Tackled by Tides of Jupiter on the outside. Getting up to the inside. Chocolatier. Honourable Spirit seizing a gap. Coming between runners. Wider on the track was Luna Stitt. There with a chance. And then came Funi. Luna Stitt. Tides of Jupiter. Honourable Spirit driving inside of them. Then Chocolatier. 100 left to run. Luna Stitt and Honourable Spirit. Honourable Spirit and Luna Stitt. They go to the line. I think Honourable Spirit got the bob in from Luna Stitt. Not sure about third. Chocolatier or Funi. Then came Tides of Jupiter. He runs away. Navy Cross. Tom Order didn't run on. Then Wonderful Day. Zamosa and Sir Gunson last over the line. Photo finish to the cup, and it's a ripper. Honourable Spirit won it by a short half head. John Spoon's done a fantastic job with his horse. He's kept him up over a period of time. Just keeps delivering. And Jaden Lloyd, his biggest success in racing yesterday with that listed victory. Yeah, and again, like we said, um, to a bigger extent, with Robbie Dolan in Sydney winning Group 1, credit to Connections here for keeping Jaden Lloyd on. Obviously, it was a non-claiming race, so they could have had their pick of, of jockeys. The horse, I think, started favourite or very close to it. So good on them for keeping Jaden Lloyd on. And um, it looks to have a lovely future and comes from a great pedigree, as we know. He won earlier on Enterprise, Kieran, and uh, Tony Gold on the training double yesterday with Shamaton and Youngblood. Glorious Ruby was good for Brian Days and Palazzo's spirit to fight a betting drift, but won the, the male two-year-old. Well, uh, what's his name? Um, Producer Dale. <laughs> Cranky last week, running in here. Oh, you're over time, blah, blah, blah. He, I said, what time do we finish? He said, 10 o'clock. It's right on 10 o'clock, boss. You happy with that? Good on you. <laughs> scratchings are coming up too. All the scratchings for today. Hope you back plenty of winners. Have a good day. I'll join you on Press Room tomorrow. Ben will as well. Uh, thanks for your company this morning. Bye-bye.